What up, everyone? Welcome to the Smoking Tire Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Crown and Caliber. Listen, when you're buying a secondhand watch on the internet, there's the right way to do it, there's the wrong way to do it. I've been through both. <laughs> when I did it the wrong way, I bought it from a guy off a regular old auction site. It looked good in pictures, the price was decent, everything was cool. Turned out the movement was bunk and the thing was actually a fake and I lost all my money. Then, other times, I bought from Crown and Caliber. Crown and Caliber is a legitimate business. They've been in business for years. They have a large team of watch technicians. They have thousands of watches in stock. And the photos you see on the internet are of the actual watch you're buying. When you buy a Crown and Caliber watch, you're buying a real watch. You're buying a watch that is as described, and you're buying a watch that works. And if it's an old watch, look, sometimes old watches, they stop working, right? But Crown and Caliber has a limited mechanical warranty. So that if you buy a watch from them, it's going to work, and it's going to keep working, even if it's a vintage watch. That's what I love about these guys. They also buy your old watches, or they'll trade for a watch of theirs. It's a very easy process, and if you have decided mentally that this watch has got to go, they can make it gone within like 24 hours, and you can be traded on to the next thing. It's great. The process is is seamless. It's really nice. Um, I've really appreciated them as a sponsor for the last well, two and a half years now, uh, and we've got a special offer for you. Use code TST175 at checkout. TST175 gets you $175 off your first watch at crownandcaliber.com. That's TST175 at crowningcaliber.com. Even though I currently own pretty much every watch I want to own, I still find myself browsing their new arrivals section in case something comes up and tickles my fancy. Use code TST175 at crowningcaliber.com. We're also brought to you by autotempest.com. Listen, Time is money. I know that as well as anybody because my entire career is based on booking out my time and I have a very fixed amount of it. Now, maybe your career doesn't work like that, but your time is also valuable, especially if you have to do double work. Nobody wants to do double work. Double work sucks. Autotempest.com helps you search all the most popular, and some not even that popular, but all certainly all the most popular, and then some car listing sites while only filling out that information, your search terms one time. It doesn't, you don't have to retype it every single time. It searches all the top sites like cars.com, cars soup, cars direct, compares with eBay Motors, compares with all of Craigslist nationally, Facebook marketplaces in there, autotempest.com searches all these places with just one set of search terms. They bring it all home for you. You know what I'm saying? Autotempest.com, they're good people. They don't want your money. You don't have to buy anything. All they want is to save you time. They just make it easy. The thing you were doing anyway, they make it easier for you. Check them out, autotempest.com. We love them. All right, folks, on this episode of the show, uh, Zach and I uh, went to Tahiti last week. We sailed a yacht around Tahiti uh, with our significant others and some other friends. Timmy was with us, uh, and my, my brother-in-law and his wife was there, and uh, we had the best time ever. So on this episode, it's actually, we're probably not going to talk about cars, except maybe some of the cars we saw in Tahiti, but uh, this is the Tahiti Yachting Cast, where we wrap up our, uh, what it was like to 
sail a yacht around Tahiti for a week. It's uh, it's just me and Zach on the Smoking Tire Podcast. Hello, People everybody. Alive. It's the Smoking Tire Podcast. It's Wednesday. It's not our first show back from vacation, but Zach and I are here. We went on a vacaciones. Uh, we went to Tahiti. It's the fucking shit. It's the best place. It's the shit. Strongly recommend. Uh, I really only want to answer super chat questions tonight about sailing in Tahiti. So tonight's probably not the night to ask if you what you can buy for twenty thousand dollars. But, but um, can you turn up my headphones a little bit, Zach? Mm-hmm. Um, and I got back. You know, we got back on Sunday. Uh, a little more, Zach, and uh, perfect. And. Fuck me, my Monday was difficult. You know, we I did the show with Serio, and thank God for Serio. Thank God this person who I'd never met before was as funny as Spike says he was, and he put on a fucking great show. And I texted him later. I had a, I had just had a, I had so I, I had a shit storm at the construction site that I come back to. We'll, we can talk about it later. I now n- know what the term. Taking it in the front and the back means <laughs> <laughs> literally. We can talk about it later, but I had I had a shit storm at the construction site, had to record a podcast ten AM Monday morning after getting back from vacation, and then immediately drive to Bills to drive the Vaughn aftermarket hybrid nine eleven. So I had to like and no one should feel bad for me, but I just want to explain and Serio, I apologized to him via text later that like I was not at my best while producing the show, but I really enjoyed his company and I want him to come back and do it again. And it was a fucking amazing show. And he said, it's no worries. You know, it's some, sometimes it's everyone's turn to drive the struggle bus. Which, <laughs> and he's like, I've been there. I get it. And so uh, but and I, and that that it bled over a little bit. The. The video we made with that Vonin, um, the aftermarket hybrid thing, the tech walk around video, mm-hmm. I, I they were sweet and the car was amazing, it, really interesting. The driving video was fine, but I just was like off. <laughs> it was it was the first yeah. day back from a long. I had some like camera fuck ups. I had to do a couple things twice. Like I definitely like forgot how to use my equipment. Now I know why you said you'll edit the walk around. It was shit. I mean, it was like it. It does the job of explaining what the car is, but like, I just, I just didn't do a good job for what I'm capable of doing, right? In in a in a in a sound producing sense or in like a hosting sense. But as as Serio said, it was my turn to drive the struggle bus, Uh, and if that's the balance, one day driving the struggle bus versus seven days captaining a 45 foot fucking catamaran around Tahiti. Well, that's that's just life, isn't it? Hundred percent worth it. Hundred percent worth it. Welcome back to work. Um, can I just recommend briefly that everybody go to Tahiti, but not at once, please. Space it out. Um, where do we even start with this trip? I don't know. It's it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Like yeah. it lives up to all of the postcards, promo photos, inst- like any marketing you see. Like it doesn't. You get there and you're like, has this whole place been retouched it's in Photoshop? It's the definition of no filter. Mm-hmm. It's it like, really wait, is. it's like, how is there no filter? What is the filter? You look at the colors of things and you go, I don't understand how the same water, like we have water, we have ocean water yeah. here. Like why is, why do colors exist there that don't exist anywhere else? And it's just the most extraordinary palette of rich color 
um, the entire ocean is 80 plus degrees there. Yeah. The whole ocean. Some of it's like 90. Dude, some of it is a hot tub. <laughs> it's hot. Like, there were parts of the ocean, uh, up that beach right there, there's parts of the ocean right like near the beach where the water's very shallow, where the water's like 95, maybe more than, more than that degrees. Super hot. Uh, this picture Zach just pulled up just shows some layers. No, no, re like three different distinct colors of ocean, none of which I thought existed in nature. All within before. a few thousand feet. It yeah, within about a quarter mile. We there. started approaching this, like putting your sunglasses on, taking them off, looking through the camera. Like this doesn't make any sense. Right. So this, okay, so back to back it up a little bit. This trip, we went to Thailand a couple years ago, and you can actually go back. I reviewed the boat we, uh, it started, that started the, the One Wake series of mm -hmm. boats I reviewed, which was a, a great scam. Made no money, but I got out on a lot of fun boats. <laughs> um, so we chartered a boat. I went to sailing camp, uh, and I am a captain. Uh, I don't know if I could be a commercial captain, but I can certainly am captain enough to take out uh, charter boats, and we've been doing it for some time. And we had such a good time in Tahiti, uh, excuse me, in Thailand a couple years ago that it was always like, well, where's the next place? And my wife was always talking about Tahiti, and then the uh, the Bulgarians that borrowed the Lexus. Adventure Holics on Instagram. They put 15,000 miles on the Million Mile Lexus in six months. Drove all over the U.S. They're like travel bloggers. All they do is travel. Their Instagram is ill. Adventure Adventure Holics with an X. Love them. Anna and Anton, great couple. I asked them, like, what's the best thing you guys have ever done? And they said sailing a yacht in Tahiti is the best trip they've ever taken. So which confirmed it. So we chartered the boat from a place called the Moorings, which I've chartered from a few times now. Super pro outfit. We paid a little extra to have a brand new boat rather than one that was like three or four years old, which would have been cheaper. Worth it, by the way. A hundred percent worth it. Because um, incrementally it was not that much different. And, uh, you know, I'm able to bear boats, so I can I, I, I can captain and have, I've, have other people. Zach is, is great on anchoring and helping with sailing and stuff. I can and pull like, ropes and walk around the boat and not fall off, basically. Yeah, but, like, there's... I've just been thinking about how much value there is in the skill of being able to captain a boat because, so like, much. it's really not expensive. I mean, it's not that expensive at all to well, do. Well, for the, for the amount of time we spent there, uh, and, this, I mean, sound dumb, the proximity to water. Like, when I go to, you know, I've gone to Hawaii a couple of times or something, like, all you're thinking about is, okay, I want to go to the beach. How long do I want to go for? Okay, you, you go there for three hours, you get hot, you come back to the apartment or your, your hotel or whatever. And now you might want to go back, but you don't want to get in the car and you don't want to like drive all the way down there and you want to get sane in the car again. Like You have to kind of figure out how much time you want to spend. But when I go to the tro a tropical place, like I want to spend all the time in the water, as yeah. much time as possible looking at fish, swimming around, just playing, having fun. And this, you get that. Like We would wake up in the morning and literally make coffee. And then jump in the ocean. You're in the so water. Warm. Yeah, you're it's in the water so from great. sun up to sun for, to after sundown. The best, some of the best snorkeling the trip was. This was so cool. There's an area like okay, I think we need to talk about the geography of of Bora Bora. Can you go to the back to Instagram, Zach, and pull up the picture of, I posted that was just like Google Maps of the island, or better yet, just pull up fucking Google Maps of Raiatea. And so the way that. Tahiti works if you've never seen it go to satellite so we can see the lagoons is the islands are surrounded by these coral reef barriers that come right to the surface 
Um, and it, they're like anywhere from like, you know, a hundred yards to like a couple hundred yards, maybe half a mile offshore. And so they, they break the swells, right? They're very shallow and, and they break the water. So you've got outside the lagoon and then inside the lagoon. And so we're pulling up a picture here. So you can actually see physically a white barrier around the, uh, this island of Raiatea, which is where we started sailing from the northern end of Raiatea. And you can sail a complete lap around this island in fully inside the lagoon. And if you're inside the lagoon, the water is like glass smooth, ridiculously clear. And compared to sailing on like a uh, a Caribbean island where every night you go into a cove up next to the island to anchor, you know, away from the open ocean swells. When you go to Raiatea or to Bora Bora, Zach, does it show? It doesn't actually show the mouth. You don't anchor next to the island. You anchor out on the edge of where the dark water, the deep water becomes that shallow, sandy shelf and reef. And by dropping anchor there, couple things happen. One, right where deep becomes shallow is always where great snorkeling is. And two, it's super clear, clear, calm water. And three, rather than being right up against these beautiful islands, you get a, a far back perspective and view of the islands from your boat. It's the shit. It is. <laughs> it, instead of sitting on a hotel where you're looking out at the ocean, which is gorgeous, but you don't get to see like... This place, all of these islands have huge mountains, like former volcanoes. Some have these thousand foot cliffs and the clouds are wrapping around them in the morning. And, you know, the, the, the vegetation is super lush and green. Like you just, you don't see all that if, uh, if you're just kind of waking up in an Airbnb. Even if you stay at one of those, like we, so we went to three islands, right? Raiatea, um, which the Polynesians say is the cradle of civilization. Like I say that with the voice, but really that's what they say. They basically think that they, they believe that all Polynesian civilization originated from this island, Raiatea. Raiatea shares a lagoon with another island called Taha'a, where they make vanilla and they make rum. Really it's good rum. Fucking dank rum. Really good. Um, we bought some rum and uh, really good vanilla. And so you can, we made a figure eight beginning uh, uh, at the north end of Raiatea, lapping around clockwise and then going counterclockwise around Ta'a'a. Now, there's natural exits in the lagoon to go to the open ocean. So you then exit, and we went to Bora Bora, which is the most, probably the most famous of the Tahitian islands. Also, fucking totally lives up to its reputation. The guys on Ta'a'a are all like, no, no, this is the shit. Taha'a is the shit, because there's, there's too many tourists on Bora Bora. Too many is a very relative term. <laughs> very true. It wasn't the busy season. I bet if you yeah. go there in peak season, it probably it's is. nuts. Yeah, but Bora Bora specifically, it's illegal to drop anchor in Bora Bora. You have to pick up an existing mooring ball, and that's to protect the reef and the shelf and all that. I think it's a good idea actually. Mm -hmm, totally. And there's a bit of a there's a bit of a pay the piper scam involved to all of it, but it's fine. It's not that expensive. 30 bucks a day you got like a meter made. You got to pay the guy. Mm -hmm. You got to pay the guy just shows up. It's like <laughs> he just shows up and you just got to pay him. But I mean, hey, if you sail there in your own boat, $30. Yeah. Totally. $30. So, uh, but this in Bora Bora, uh, compared to the other islands, the shelf is much more pronounced. It's much bigger. And the water is crazy clear. 
like and you can even see in the Google Maps the different shades of blue where the blue goes into the uh, into the sand um, and if you actually so here's where all those oh like 3d yeah buddy I mean there's a point where we were seeing three different kinds of like brilliant covered just blues I'd never seen before what was it cerulean like one of them looked like oil painting and it was behind dark blue and then to our left was the light blue because the water was yeah. clear to the right you had oil painting to the it left you had sense, Pixar dude. and then in the middle yeah. you know Pixar. what I mean exactly it was like it's it, you can't believe that's an, a naturally occurring color yeah and Stunning. even if you have you stay at one of those overwater bungalows which did look incredibly dope you're only getting one view there yeah we got we had an overwater bungalow that we brought with us for thirty dollars. <laughs> you know, we what got I mean? their view for thirty dollars, <laughs> not including the cost of the boat, of course. Speaking but, of, but, speaking of which, we tried the dinghy into the Four Seasons. Oh yeah, Tim was with us as well. So it was me and Hannah, Zach and his girl Sarah, uh, my brother-in-law John, Hannah's brother, and his wife Jillian, who was almost a professional level chef. Oh my god, is a professional level chef basically, and cooked us great food. And uh, and then Timmy, Timmy was there, flying solo. Seventh wheel, uh, but no, he was—he had the best time ever, and um, and Timmy really wanted to get a hat from the Four Seasons Bora Bora, which Zach has a, a, a Google image of right, right there. there. It's like those horseshoes. So we anchor in the only place on Bora Bora you're allowed to anchor, which is on the top left of your screen, folks. We then dinghy over to the Four Seasons, and we attempt to just roll up because we're like, yo. It's a hotel. Like, if this was, like, the Four Seasons in Beverly Hills, you could just, like, walk in and go to the restaurant if you wanted to. Not so much in Bora Bora, as it turns out. <laughs> uh, we got stopped by Jet Ski Security. Yeah. And they basically asked us our business, and we were told- After he finished his phone call. The guy rolled up, he put his foot on our boat and grabbed our rope, and then stayed on the phone for, like, a solid minute. Solid minute. In French. somebody in French. And, uh... <laughs> and they basically said, "No, you may not come in. How uh, how dare you? The the Four Seasons uh, Hotel. The privacy of our guests is absolutely paramount. When we couldn't possibly have people just coming in off of boats, that would be you know in violation of our guests' privacy, which is absolute. Unless you'd like to buy a hundred and fifty dollar a person day pass, in which case, if you would, uh, come on right in, pull turn, up to turn the your dock, camera phone on, turn, hit record, absolutely, <laughs> and speak to the hostess inside. Yeah, they wouldn't, they wouldn't let us go on, and the guy called the front desk. They asked why we were there. We said we wanted to look around, and uh, they put us on hold for a couple minutes and then said, oh, it would be $150 a person. A person. Yeah. So we turned around. We turned around. But it's home. funny that they're, you know, we're sitting there going, well, maybe there's famous people, maybe they're worried about paparazzi, da, 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 and they're like, yeah, but for $150, <laughs> that goes out the window. Yeah, exactly. It was all bullshit. But um, but as you can see, zoom out on that map, Zap. The, the resorts, like those famous overwater resorts, quote, on Bora Bora, aren't really on Bora Bora. They're on the island that's out on the reef looking at Bora Bora because Bora Bora is a ridiculously beautiful island. We mm -hmm. have you can go to our Google Photos. Um, uh, we have a nice digital photo album. I shot on a film camera. Yeah, I did. It's gonna take two weeks to get those. I know the, the delayed gratification is exciting. It is. I don't even it remember is. what's on that shit. I don't either. Shooting on a film camera. And I'm not, you know, yes, there's a hipster element to it. I wanted to, like, make film great again or whatever. I don't even want to <laughs> take a Trumpism and put it on something else. But, uh, but, but here's what's great about a film camera that I haven't 
seen that I haven't experienced in such a long time. A the mechanical the mechanical shutter of a good my have the Pentax K1000. Didn't you see my hipster picture? Mm-mm. There's a hipster picture if you scroll through there of me like posing off the back of the boat with like my camera draped around my neck. It's really super super hipstery. No, it would have been hipster if you took a photo of the digital camera next to a watch next to Well, this is like, basically whiskey, it, but I'm wearing it. But you it. took the photo with your with your phone, which right. you, you know. Um but A, and I'm sure you as a firearms enthusiast, Zach, can appreciate, this, the shutter is much more like a gun a gunfire than it is like an iPhone shutter. Yeah, totally. Much more. And also, when you click, there it is from the left. That's <laughs> like, this is my trial well, photo. I never leave anywhere without my trusty Pentax K1000 and my Rolex Explorer. No, no, no. When I'm contemplating my next move. Because <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Matt's looking off in the distance with a small smile and he's got the lens cap off and just. Just ready for When the I'm shot. deciding where, where the business should go next. <laughs> with a linen shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but the uh, the real one is a the shutter click clack is so spectacular. But also, as soon as you hit that shutter, you go immediately back to life. It's you don't. It's not okay. Okay. Uh, uh, let me. Is that good? Is that good? How's my hair? Okay. No. 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 Do it again. Do it again. Uh, okay. Okay. Let me bring up the highs. Let me do this. Uh, let me get on Instagram. And you do three more minutes of shit. True. Fucking click clack. And now, now I'm back right here. Well, you also you you can't take ten photos, so you yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna take that moment out of the moment to take a photo, mm-hmm. and like remove yourself from the experience, at least it's only to take the photo, and then you're not gonna sit there probably and rattle off five more because you don't know if it looked no. good or not. You're just gonna take it, assume it was good, assume you know what you're doing, yeah, and then continue like enjoying the moment. I took very few photos just because you know that's what I do for, like all all year long. So I just like to experience what we're experiencing and just look at it, and it, you know I'll forget it in five years because my memory's terrible. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, film definitely—it's obviously slows you down. You know what I mean? It takes you're manually doing your thing, and you got to—I—I I forgot so many times that I had to advance my fucking shot, like advance the roll. Holy Why shit! Why won't this thing click? Yeah, no, like I—I I was clunky as fuck. I tried to rewind it the wrong direction without looking at the thing. Like you know, it was rusty with the old film camera. That first roll, my. Might be a complete wash. Don't even know. I might be spend, spending twelve dollars to process a completely blank roll. That might happen. It'd be kind of funny, teachable moment. And luckily, I call, if I did, I backups. called it on the boat. I, I yeah. told I told several people that the first one might be complete fucking garbage. But um, so wait, what else? What else are other things that about? Okay, here's the thing about Tahiti that is very interesting for me. Tahiti is French Polynesia. And the French comes out in really interesting ways mm-hmm. because it's much more Polynesia than French. Yes, definitely. You know, there's the the full Polynesian tattoos. You know, uh, uh, the the people are are very you know like like Hawaiians, like the island. You know, overall look. And everyone's got fucking baguettes on the dashboard. Baguettes run that economy i think after eating a bunch of edibles and drinking a bunch of vanilla rum one night we half wrote a guy Ritchie heist movie involving baguettes taken from Bora the baguette Bora. mafia like there's so many baguettes everywhere and they were good yeah, they're very good it's it's it was the only <laughs> i think it was the only part of french cuisine i saw i didn't see 
I saw a bakery, but the they didn't sur- have croissants. The service though. at the restaurants was, was kind of French. Uh, uh, French meets island time. <laughs> French meets island, I think. It wasn't as dismissive no, like, as France. A bunch of the dishes were French. The Poisson Crew? Poisson Crew is a French dish. Oh, yeah, that's true. But it had ahi tuna, so my brain was just like... Yeah, the ahi tuna. I mean, all the fish is amazing there. Because yeah, the, it was caught that morning. What was... So interesting also, I mean, yeah, the, so you're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, so there's so much fish always going by, and they don't really restrict the fishing that much. There's There weren't any real protected waters in terms of fishing. I ate parrotfish, which they came out of the lagoon. Um, the number of fish that are in the lagoon still at the reefs, considering there's no restrictions on fishing, is pretty amazing. It's not like the Galapagos, where they've been like protected for 50 years, and so oh, the true. generations of fish know that nothing's going to eat them. I think most people go there to chill, not probably. to fish. Like, if you're a fisher, if you're if you really are a fisherman, you're probably going to go somewhere else that's closer. That's probably to, to kind of catch that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know how the industry there. I don't works, but I, I think don't considering either. they don't restrict the fishing, I like to make wild assumptions. It's an awful though. lot of fish. It was great, totally it was great. Amazing. And really good my brother-in-law likes surfing. He surfed a, a spot called Miri Miri there, mm-hmm. and said it was one of the greatest waves he had ever surfed. Dude, uh, it's gnarly on, though. It's shallow. Like I, I drove him out there on the dinghy, and it was shallow. And if you like, if you fall, it's everything I've read about surfing magazines as a kid. Like you're getting cut up. You know, the deepest it is is three feet. He's a super good, yeah, good experienced surfer, and it, it seemed very dangerous. <laughs> it's it was on uh, the east side of Raitea. Um but uh, fucking the boat was awesome. Uh, you know, we had a water maker on boat, uh, which is the first time I've ever spent a lot of time with a water maker, and that was extremely clutch. That turned seawater into totally drinkable, safe water. And I think something like. I didn't know until this trip that yacht means boat over 45 feet, right? Yeah. I assumed it was like a cost thing or a price point. Like oh, I, I thought it had yeah, to cost no. a certain amount. It's a length thing. But I think <laughs> I think this trip was not- It is actually the not, size of the boat, as it turns out, and not the motion of the ocean. It is, yeah, that's very true. <laughs> this, but this trip was not expensive. And I don't mean like not expensive. Compared to other vacations I've taken, which are not many, this was- Less, it was less expensive than going to Burning Man. Like once we were there, yeah. the the boat holds eight people at least, and if you divide it among those people, you are paying less money than you would spend staying a week for a hotel, and yeah. you get to move around all the time. Yeah, you can park on any of the islands for free, pretty much. Yeah, except for Bora Bora, but all the other ones you can dock for free, more for free, go in and see town. Like you can do all the land stuff, and then go to the next one that afternoon because they're pretty close. Like you'd like, motor uh, sail to the next thing. Like Adam Carolla's rich man, poor man thing, you know what I mean? It's like living in an <laughs> yeah. RV or living on a boat. <laughs> on a boat. Yeah. You know, it's 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 much nicer than an RV. It's much more spacious than an RV. It was a really nice boat. Yeah. It was really nice. We cooked amazing food. The ingredients were great. So, like, oh, the you fruits. save money on cooking. The fruit's really good. It was, it was a really great way to see a tropical place, and I think... Uh, less expensive than if you stayed in a hotel and tried to go out boating swimming every day that's what i'm saying like as it turns out the value in having having the ability to captain a boat is extremely high because you're splitting the boat among all these people you're buying food and cooking it on the boat the anchoring and all that you you know the the rental you don't have to pay for the gas that that's included you make your own water you know you're sailing mm-hmm. um it's 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 just enough relaxation and mixed with just enough activity and the yeah. scenery is always changing and you're so close to the ocean like you're so close you can jump in it literally anytime you want any moment 
and um, especially when you add in the water maker to the to that, because then all of a sudden you have unlimited water, and so now I can take a twenty minute shower if I want to. Now I can do dishes without having it to be like, oh, let me dunk these in the ocean and then fresh water. Do it's like a lot of these inconveniences kind of go away with a water maker. Yeah, that was huge. Um, that we yeah. didn't have it in Thailand. It was um, huge. The only thing we really didn't have this trip, honestly, was wind. It we really didn't have too much wind, and I think that is the was the trade off for a lot of the value. The difference between in, in cost to go to Tahiti to do this trip between the low season and the high season is very extreme, and the only other than December, which is just straight up rain, um, the rest of the time outside of like May, June, July, which is the high season. Um, the rest of the time, the big difference between low and high season is the high season has the trade winds, so you have a consistent 15-knot wind to sail in. Our wind was very inconsistent, mm-hmm. uh, con- inconsistent leaning towards shitty. Now, <laughs> or toward non-existent. Yeah, not existent And I'd rather not existent than hurricane or downpour or whatever, you know, because if the wind's non-existent, then the, the, the sea is also very calm, and people on the boat like calm seas. I like sailing, so I'm disappointed if we can't sail no one else really gave a shit and no i was bummed because it's it's i think it's annoying it's it's annoying to go there to do that activity and it doesn't present itself that's true. and also traveling under motor when you know like you could be traveling basically silently and i think using the energy of the wind is yeah. really really cool like i don't want to sleep in really rocky seas because if i i may get seasick i don't i didn't but if we were you know the, the last day when we came in yeah over those rollers if we were anchored and it was like that all night like that would be pretty rough yeah, yeah. but if it was any of the other conditions we saw it's totally fine. Yeah. It's it's just um it's it was a little disappointing to not have wind. But like even as a sailor, like the things we saw and the the, the weather we had and the conditions of the water and the, 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 the sea life and, and everything everything else about it I'll take light wind. You know what I mean? If that's if that's the thing, everything else was like, and on a catamaran, like catamarans are really meant for living on. They they don't sail very well. It's they're nice to sail. I mean, sailing is great. I I always prefer to sail, but they're not great sailing boats. They're you know they just you're not crossing the ocean in that thing. Well, someone did. Did you see? I tell you about them. Did you see them? There was mm-hmm. when we came back to the dock. Uh, Tim and I were just walking around the dock looking at boats like you do and we came around to another boat that was not exactly like ours but it was the same as the one we t- took to Thailand last year or okay. two years ago so it was the 48 Okay. and they were oh hey you know did you just get back from a charter yeah we had a great time whatever it was cool I was like where did you guys ju- did you guys just come on charter and they're like oh no we're transporters this was a couple like late 60s maybe early 70s oh no we're boat transporters oh cool we just came in from the Caribbean Whoa. On this. And I was like, what? The Caribbean to Tahiti. I go, okay. And they go, yeah. We only really made one stop, Panama City, to go through the canal. Right. And then I go, all right. And how about the canal to Tahiti? They go, 34 days open ocean. So they exit Panama. They sail away from Central America. Within about two hours, they don't see land anymore. And then they don't, and they have to hit Tahiti and they don't see shit. For thirty-four days. Jeez, what do you Just talk them. about? <laughs> they might, that marriage is going to make it. I yeah. think. I mean, they're already seventy. Do you but think that's once they leave the coast of Central America, they just take their clothes off and then don't put clothes on again for a month? Yeah, probably. <laughs> or most of them. I mean, 
But they said the, they said so the wind far. was terrible, and so they had to motor a lot. And I was like, do you have enough fuel? And they were like, we anticipated it. So they had like, sitting on the dock were three 55-gallon drums. They had extra drums of diesel. Yikes. Yeah. Jeez, that would make it. That would make it these really boats boring motor and worrying. Eight knots. They don't motor. <laughs> They're not fast under motor. Thirty-four days of days. Like motoring. I'm days. Just, I mean, the motors are pretty quiet, but they're not that quiet. Yeah. Look, this is so far, by the way, that I had to zoom out to see the planet. <laughs> to, on Google Earth, I couldn't. I was zoomed out pretty far, and I still couldn't see both the Caribbean and uh, Tahiti. That is nuts. Respect. Re- Respect. Yeah. I bet. I don't know. I think it'd be cool to cross an ocean sometime. I just don't want to be in charge of it. Uh, my brother-in-law has friends that are boat transporters, a husband and wife, and just like this couple, but I think, you know, 25 years younger, and that's what they do. And they said, he said it's, you know, both the, the most exciting and luxurious and also one of the most boring and, you know, lonely jobs that, that you could do, you know, yeah. because for a lot of the time, you know, that person's mega yacht is actually your mega yacht. Right. They're not there. You're sleeping in, you know, you're sleeping in the master. You know what I mean? You're enjoying the the trappings of that yacht. On the other hand, you're a, farting on their pillow. You yeah. Know? On the other hand, according to John, you know these the, these folks that he knows, like they legit don't have a home. Like they don't actually have like a house at anywhere. So it's just always boat to boat to boat. And there's like a terabyte hard drive of movies that gets passed around, and it's you know shit like that where it's thirty days, you know, plus open ocean of going from. Tahiti to the Mediterranean. Who the fuck knows? You know? And you're also you got 20 days. You're not seeing anything. You're probably yeah. not stopping to snorkel or dive. Yeah. it's all no, super deep. So you're just, you're just going. Rrr. You're just commuting on the highway. Yeah. It's, a, it's a beautiful highway unless it's there's a storm yeah. that shows up. We saw a couple heavy hitter yachts down there though. Jesus. What's that guy, Australian guy? James Packer, J- the guy who was dating C- Mariah Carey. J P. Uh, what was it? I. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, uh, this thing was. It no, was not parked. It. Just, Next oh, to that's it. James a Packer. cruise ship. Yeah, it was. Th- it's three hundred and like thirty and feet. I think it was enormous. Hundred hundred eight meters. Um, and it, it it compared favorably to a cruise ship. Yeah. I think it, it was parked next to one, and it wasn't that much smaller. Yeah. And this was a this was a cruise ship that goes around the islands, like not quite carnival, but it was a what hundred foot tall cruise ship yeah. that's five hundred feet long, and this thing was next to it going, yeah, almost. Mm-hmm. It's and it's also a very cool looking boat, like very modern, very shapely. But geez, it's the IJE yacht. Yeah, interesting. Uh, but Tahiti's very interesting for yachts because the only boats that are really there are locals' boats. Uh, rental boats and boats that came from really fucking far away mm-hmm. you know so so the boats that came from really far away are either enormous you know and prepared for that kind of journey or you know smaller 50 foot boats 40 foot boats that have really been kind of upfitted and beefed up and you know they've got racks of fuel tanks and a wind generator and these sort of tent contraptions you know and and it's like oh man that guy that guy came here they from did it. somewhere yeah. Yeah. that's that's someone who's driving a town car over like lions re- <laughs> lions back in moab and you're like wow yeah they're you really it. doing it you're huh? here yeah, yeah. how are you going to get back same way yeah. all right <laughs> um but God, what a what a I I I really think already that we're getting. I want to go back. I definitely want to yeah. go back. I mean, there's 109 islands there. A lot of islands, and it was it'd be interesting to see it in like the high season of weather. You know, mm. with, I mean, the waves were still very big. You could look out from any island and you'd see 
white water that looked 10 to 20 feet tall just because swells were hitting the reef and just oh, exploding. Oh, man, those waves. Yeah, the, the waves Huge. that hit the south shore of Bora Bora and, like, fucking explode on the reefs are are crazy big. It's a lot of force. Like you're, yeah. It's very different from, like, Hawaii. I don't, I've never been to the Caribbean, but you have. But you get into water to snorkel, like, you have to be aware of the swell that's hitting yeah, you yeah. and the current that's hitting you. And sometimes you, like, got to be careful you don't get pushed on a rock or whatever. <laughs> but this this was, like, bumper bowling. It had, like, this protect. You were in a bubble. It had a protective bubble like and all the water pool. was clean. I yeah, mean, it, really it really is, is. like a bit. There was only a couple little places where there was any kind of current at all. In fact, one of them was the drift snorkel, which was extraordinary. Um, that they, they, they sent us this place. Um, where in in between these two sort of spit islands is sort of a a, a, a salt water ocean river uh, that flows through uh, 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 an area that's a reef where it's about a foot deep maybe and there's like canyons of coral and you and it's and the current's flowing so you, there it is yeah so you you pick. You pick Dude, a, you pick your gap and you're doing it you're because this water's it. strong. Yeah, like you're moving. You can. It's swimming against it. I think. I don't. I didn't really try. You really but like you no. really can't. It was fast moving, yeah. but you flew. You had to Superman it through Pretty there. Cool. But it was one of the coolest. And then you'd actually get to the other island, take off your fins, and just walk back to the other side, and then hop in and do it again. So you could just you could do like laps. We did like three laps. It was a weird thing. It was kind of like slow wingsuiting but yeah. under, like you're kind of flying and you got to make sure you don't scrape your knee on like yeah. the sharp coral in or my anything. rash guard i felt like wingsuity a little bit yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the other thing is you if you see something cool you feel like you're on a train and you're like well, what was that and it's like you're, you're, you're already gone. gone you're already yeah. gone you gotta go back and do it again uh we saw lots of baby sharks we saw stingrays uh, all over the place the night stingrays were the coolest there's the picture um so on the shelf there's these like worms that come out uh, in the, of the sand and the stingrays eat them and if you turn on the underwater lights at night it confuses the worms into thinking it's daylight and they come out and all, just fleets of stingrays come and like swarm and so one of the best snorkels I've like ever done was just like hop off the back of the boat like middle of the night lights on like just sitting there didn't yeah even, you just hold on to didn't the boat, even eat fins just stare down and like watch them eat basically dozens of stingrays and sharks and all kinds of cool stuff it was awesome black tip reef sharks are are really they're very, totally harmless to humans but they just look they look like sharks yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> it's exactly what you think of when yeah. you think shark looks like sharks with none of the danger I yeah mean, nurse basically. sharks don't aren't dangerous either but they don't really look dangerous they're like big catfish kind of but like reef oh, shark yeah. looks shark shark total yeah. shark shape yeah. and baby reef sharks are super cute they are I, they, they, when i first heard there were sharks in the water i was freaked out because i thought they were big and then later on in the daytime we saw the baby shark that was like a foot long yeah and you could have probably grabbed it yeah but i still was like their teeth are probably could still take your finger but off. they don't but they don't black tips don't they're no. chill as fuck why um, do you think they've just been around enough people or yeah, they're just the, not an aggressive people are just species. usually bigger than them yeah. and they're always around reefs which is where people are and you know they eat little things they don't they're not it's not the big like, sharks live in the deep water because they need to eat the big thing yeah That's where, like the like big whites eat seals yeah you know or like elephant seals yeah, like thousand yeah pounds. reef sharks eat like little fish they don't you know um so that's the shit. It was man. very cool. It was fucking so cool. You gotta be careful. Gotta be careful with stingrays, obviously. Like you know, R.I.P. Steve Irwin. <laughs> but yeah, just, no. Don't when we were swimming when we were snorkeling above them, they were like at least ten feet below us, and we just didn't go down there. Well, yeah, I mean that was the best part of th this water was so clear that you could light 
you could light it from a boat, you know, and read the the texture. I don't think this photo really does it total justice. There was these were those were very hard photos to get those night photos. They were because it was so cool. Oh, it was, was that it video? Was like this blue light video? that threw it just cast shadows across. So you look down through the water, it looked like the moon. Uh, that's it was cool. Photos, I, I, photos. I'm such a fan of. Oh, that looks like video. Video oh yeah, stingrays. It's not vertical video. The camera phone got really because conf- the underwater lights are like, are they UV or I, what are they? Like I they're think purple. They're, yeah, I think there might be like black lights. Like black lights, right? Like the, the camera would freak out. I have a black light wedding ring, and Did it, it light was making them grow crazy. Oh, yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was very weird. Camera um, phone did not was not happy when. Yeah, it I'm, it'll be interesting to see if my film camera worked out or not. But, um, you know, I, I just. God, I want to go back there immediately. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> Going back to work this week so was dope. so hard. Going back to work, we have a, we have we have one of the greatest jobs you could have, and going back to work was so terrible. We spent a week just like staring at the ocean. I like know. your brain just totally like just releases the steam of or the staring year. At stars, or, the star stars gazing were was ridiculous, insane. One of the best uh, stargazing experiences ever. Multiple nights in a row, but and because we had a new moon, we got lucky. There was no moon yeah. for like four days, so it was just dark as fuck. And we had like five banger sunsets that would be like sunset of the year in L.A., a place known for sunsets. And we we had discussions of which one was the best. Even though I mean, there's, there was there's, every there's, night was a ridiculous one. And then you get you know it's tropical, so you get your your thirty minutes a day of rain, which was always fun. Oh, there's a there's a sunset over. This was my favorite. That one was a good one. Oh, that so that photo is me. I was getting a. I'm coming back from getting a film photo of the boat. With that, uh, from the dinghy. That was a good one. <laughs> that was a fucking amazing sunset. That one went on for like an hour and a half, too. And I got to grill meats during that sunset. I was off the back of the boat, straight grilling chicken right there. Is this a little big photo? Where was that two-mast boat that was next to That's us? right. That's It's, Pirate, it's coming up. Yeah, you, that boat was called Marie, and it was a 180-foot two-masted sailboat. Vintage style, but the masts were all carbon fiber. Oh, super, super cool. It chartered for $210,000 a week. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> was the rate. <laughs> like, fuck. It was based out of Tahiti, but it was very good looking. Um, Yeah, no, amazing stuff, dude. I, I mean, it's not as expensive, depending on where you're listening to this from. Is eight-hour flight direct from Los Angeles. So you basically fly over Hawaii and continue for two more hours. It's really not a bad flight. Mm-mm. No. Um, if you came from Europe, it'd be very far. But my flight continued. My flight went from um, Papayette, Tahiti, to LA, and continued to Charles de Gaulle. Like oh, half wow. the people on it were going to France. I mean, that makes sense. But yeah. man, that is far. That's a that's long way, and that's the fastest way: eight hours to LA, and then fourteen more to Charles de Gaulle. But I think I think what we've taken away from tiling in this is just if you have friends and one of them has a captain's license mm-hmm. or should get one, like. Get as many friends as you need to make it affordable and just get a catamaran somewhere in the world because they rent them all over the place and there's beautiful water all over the place and just try to do a trip like that. I think it'll be, it'll be more fun and more affordable than people would think depending on the season. And also for me, like especially uh, before going to Thailand last time, like the biggest thing was like, well, how the fuck do I know where to go? How do I know where to anchor? How do I know anything? I'm going to literally like a country that doesn't have the speak the language. I don't know. I've never been there. I don't know anything. And so I did a lot of like 
pre-research before Thailand turns out unnecessary. Um, <laughs> they do uh, they do a, pr- a pretty detailed map briefing, and you have you know good electronics on the boat, and you you before when you arrive to and you get on your yacht. You sit down with the, the organizers, uh, the, the, the people at the moorings, and they go, okay, what would you like to do? And we said, well, we'd like to snorkel. We'd like, my brother-in-law wants to surf. I'm here to fuck. I'm here to fuck, boys. <laughs> um, you know. Uh, 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 I and, forgot we were talking about Thailand. That sounded way yeah. here. <laughs> no, no, in Tahiti also. And, you know, you want to do this and this and this. And, and so you, you make a, a plan that you can de- deviate from if you want. And so then it, it becomes a little more comfortable and you're not really getting lost and you understand don't anchor here. It's like a driver anchor. training. Like you go to driving school, the first three hours you're in a classroom. Yeah. And they kind of go over yeah, with you and then much. they kind of send you out there on the track. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of ways, don't get me wrong, like it's intimidating. Like, even if you're not, even if you're pretty experienced, like there's a lot of ways you can fuck up. You can you. There's so many ways to damage this boat. <laughs> oh, that that's your picture from Bora Bora. Pull that up. That's that's what I'm talking about. I mean, that's no filter. That's just straight Bora Bora love. That's the lagoon. I mean, yeah. it's just just amazing. And like, um, there's a lot of ways you can fuck up. But if you don't have an ego about it, you know. Is you're much less likely to fuck up. Yeah, it's like be careful. It's not yeah. a thing where you just kind of go for it because yeah. this thing weighs thousands of pounds and it's expensive and it's big. And uh, you know, boats keep moving <laughs> after you hit, you like, pull the throttle back, like all that <laughs> don't stuff. Be that you know, guy. Don't be that <laughs> guy. You don't want to be that fucking guy. Uh, let's talk to the people. What do they got? Um, and if we also, I don't know, do we want to talk? We can talk about that the Vaughn and Hybrid thing if we want as well. If yeah. we want to get some cars in there, how was it? I mean, Real once cool. I saw that, I was very that curious. first, and then we'll go to the people. So the Vaughn I met with these guys at Bill's, and they brought their car. Um, it was a 2013 Carrera non-S, a base 991 Carrera with PDK. And they have a thing called Shadow Drive, which is an aftermarket hybrid system. Very interesting stuff, right? A lot of people will cry foul here and go, "What? No, the purity, but the purity." Pur- don't worry, don't worry about the purity. It's there. Okay, so here's what it's an it's an electric motor slash generator that replaces the flywheel. Um, now in Porsche, both automatic and manual cars have a flywheel, although they're not the same flywheel, but they can replace either. It can go in a manual car, automatic car. This thing can go in any Porsche sports car, 2009 or up. Boxster, Cayman, Turbo, GT3, doesn't matter. Any of them. They put the electric motor, replaces the flywheel and the starter motor, and it, it gets sandwiched where the flywheel goes, in between the engine and the transmission. Uh, they actually do have to move the transmission slightly to get it to fit. It's like two and a half inches, but because of like CV boots and axles, like it's fine. Um, then they put a, a motor. Contr- well, that probably actually improves the weight balance a little bit, doesn't it? Does it move um, forward? Maybe very slightly. Okay, it's not significant, but I mean, it might be significant if you have instruments to to corner balance it. But it, it's not really significant. Okay. Uh, they the motor controller unit then goes on the rear deck lid, um, so basically right on top of the engine. Um, it's visible through the window, and then you have in the frunk, the bottom of the frunk, you've got the batteries, uh, some cooling stuff, 
um, some control, other control units, uh, like some computers. So the weight is the net weight gain. So you, you lose your big 12 volt starter battery. You lose the starter motor. You put back in a small, like lithium lightweight battery, super lightweight battery. And, and the net gain is a plus 170 pounds. Distributed though, you know, distributed between the flywheel, the thing, you know, throughout the car. Uh, and that is a completely self-contained unit that operates independently of the car. The car doesn't even know it's there. It doesn't change. It doesn't interact with the ECU of the car at all, although it does intake information from the CAN bus. Like... The, the, the Vonin system knows what your throttle position is and your mm-hmm. braking position and your steering angle, right? Or, or, or your various telemetries that it pulls from the CAN bus. Wow. But it doesn't actually talk to the CAN bus. The car doesn't know it's there. Which makes the programming of it simpler. Simpler. And, and it, doesn't pull, it doesn't mess with the computer as much. Well, I don't I know imagine. if simpler is the right word, but the, it makes the programming of it more universal. Okay. Um, and it also it means it doesn't affect emissions negatively it doesn't affect the tune of the car you don't have a check way. engine light on your you're air conditioning yeah, still works yeah right, right. you're not you're not touching any of that shit right you don't touch the engine at all um and so for all of that you get a plus 150 plus 150 um and if you put that in it's got three modes like regular sport and kill if you put it in kill it's the battery's not very big it's a, it's 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 a small battery it's not designed in the way that uh, uh, a full-on ev battery would be designed because it never moves the car under just battery power you can't do that it's only in a power adder and it's they have no regard for some range or efficiency. It's all about how fast you can charge it in and how fast you can discharge mm, it out. Like a capacitor or something. Right. It's, okay. it, it acts a little more like a capacitor. I didn't ask them why they didn't just use capacitors. Why, you know what I mean? But I, I, I'm, not, I'm not that great with the electrical jargon yet. I, I don't know. Someone who's an electrical engineer will comment on, on why because that's, yeah. But anyway, it's not a big battery. It's a one kilowatt hour battery small but the the motor is a hundred and one hundred and ten kilowatt motor and a tycon's like an 800 kilowatt hour battery right? yeah it's it's no that's not right i think no. a tycon's like 90 kilowatt hour battery okay like a p tesla p90 p100 is like that's the the i think that's kilowatt hours um so but this battery is not big but it's designed to charge out and charge in very fast right so whenever it's you know, the engine's always spinning, so the flywheel's always spinning, right? So whenever it's not outputting, it's generating, always. Okay. Right? You follow? Yeah. Engine's running, yeah, yeah. thing is turning. So either it's making power or it's filling, or if the thing is full, eh. So if you put it in kill mode, you can, you'll go through the battery in a standing half mile, 20 seconds. So, okay. But you drive it for like, five more minutes and it charges right back up Hmm. okay Okay. if you're driving in the canyons like i made a video in the canyons with the car where i ran cold canyon and then up payuma and then back down payuma and back down cold canyons like a 16 minute drive maybe and i went through about 45 percent of battery wow okay 
And I, I did not keep driving afterwards. You don't plug it in. It's it's self-contained. Right. You don't have to plug it right. in. So if I had driven for another five more minutes, it probably would have just charged it back up if I drove like a regular human being. Can you, know? you feel... I guess it'd be hard to say. Can you, or maybe if you change the settings, can you feel the regen at all? Like, yes. Does it, okay. When you hit, when you get off the gas, there isn't a braking regen. It's not like a Tesla in. Um, you can't one pedal. You can't one pedal. But when you hit the brakes, there is definitely regenerative braking force applied in conjunction with the regular car's brakes. Interesting. So yeah. it senses you hitting the brake, mm -hmm. and then it grabs the mm -hmm. energy by, oh, okay, it increases resistance. Wow. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yes. Does it make the brake pedal feel weird? Does it make it more difficult it to brake? It definitely is noticeable. It Does it make it feel weird? No. It's like you have your brakes, and then there's more brakes, and it's like... When you hit the regular brakes hard, you can feel the car giving you more brakes, but at the rear. Okay, so you only feel the rear. Right, right. Well, it's rear-wheel drive. Yeah, you yeah, an all-wheel yeah. drive car, maybe it's different. Yeah, good point. So, okay. so the net was I drove a 2013 Carrera that made 500 horsepower and like 450 torque at the rear, you know, out of the rear wheels. So wow. I did a launch. You know, I did a fucking fat ass smoky launch all the way through first gear. This thing is it's 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 hot. You know, it's 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 good. And then of course there's a way to turn it off. So I drove for like you know a while with it on, and then I turned it off, and it's like oh oh, <laughs> I see. Wow. It's there's no torque. The torque's right. gone. You know, and so okay, it's seventy five thousand dollars right now. Even the people who build it, they're like, yeah, we we know we know, but it's really expensive to make. You know, it was very expensive to develop this mm -hmm. product. It's a product designed for expensive cars. So you have to buy expensive cars to develop, etc. Uh, and 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 if you you know if you break stuff, it's really expensive. Ex and on and on. They know it's expensive. They're in the early adopter phase, but people are people are getting them, uh, and it works on all cars. So it, their their ideal demo platform is this. Carrera because it's got no torque and so putting it's very noticeable when you drive it with it on and then turn it off um, Kelly Moss built this Safari 991 Have you seen the 991 Turbo S Safari Kelly Moss so it's a 900 horsepower 991 <laughs> Safari car it's got bigger turbos and intercoolers and all this crazy shit on it and so when you have bigger turbos, your power band moves higher. So if this uses the unit to fill torque while the turbos spool. So it gives you a fatter bottom end. So it works as torque fill kind of like a P1 yeah, or any exactly, other like hybrid exactly, supercars. Exactly. So, so I haven't tried that one yet with the turbo, but supposedly it works really, really well in, in the turbo motors to when you put bigger turbos on it as a torque filler. Um, which is very, very interesting. And uh, how did it? This is so long ago. I was going to say, you know, we drove that supercharged, was it 996 back in the day, the oh, VF bro. car, but that was 10 years ago. So long ago. It doesn't change the character of the car really at all. You hear when you, when it comes on, you hear a very slight electronic noise. Okay. It's not. It's not a. It's not electric motor noise. It's the, it's the. You hear a slight flow of current. Do you feel 
you know, do you feel the power everywhere? Do you feel it at the, I mean, I guess it's electric. The so faster instant, you so go, the less you feel it. Because it's probably yeah. so instantaneous down low and it's, it's torquey because it's electric. And then, right. Okay. The, the mm. higher up the power band you get, the more the engine power overtakes it and it, and it peters out. Right. You real and in, in, in this Carrera, it was a, it was immensely noticeable below 4,000 RPM and it dropped off how how much you would notice it the higher up the power band you you got um but i didn't really feel the weight i mean i think you'd have to drive a stock car in this totally back to back to feel the weight difference um i I do think it's pretty cool tech like it's really clever to sandwich it right in there and if it's pretty seamless with like the ecu it's pretty cool i mean i really think it would be great on a tur- on turbo cars, and I also think it would be great on, on something like a GT3 because a GT3 is a car where you don't want to you don't want to modify the engine of the GT of a GT3. That's like one of the greatest engines. Like other than like maybe changing the exhaust or something like that. Like you're not gonna like start fucking around with a GT3 motor, but you know maybe you want to try and add some horsepower to your GT3 without altering its character in any way you know you can have a, a nice torque fill at the bottom and really i think in a, i mean that would change its character car. a little bit if you had a much torquier bottom end in it that would, kind but of it engine wouldn't, but it wouldn't right, like, i know what you mean you know. i know what you mean that'd be very interesting yeah it'd be interesting to see what the, the take rate is on this. it's yeah. fu- it's really cool i saw it at rensport i think like whatever that was 2 years ago yeah. I think they had one out there, and I was like, that's pretty clever. Like, it's a yeah. pretty interesting idea. It's yeah. pretty cool. Um, it's not really designed to last for an entire, like, 30-minute track session, and they said it won't. No. Like, well, the, the like, system it won't will like, last. Yeah. It won't, like, fucking catch on fire. Like, it, it it's self-contained. It, just, it, it can't regenerate that quick, where right. you break for a corner, it's filled yeah. back up, and then the, you accelerate. They were a little bit. coy about it, but they were pretty much like, look, you know, if you're doing track day, like, uh, you know, it's not going to last, like, the whole time, mm-hmm. you know. So, all right, fine. And they also said, you know, they, they understand how expensive it is, um, and that, you know, they think that either through volume, ultimate volume of sales, either through a, a big investor or through... Um, you know this this sort of semi mythical cheaper battery technology that always is around the corner and never seems to show up. You know if they can get it down to twenty grand, high teens, I think it's still very expensive. But you're talking about Porsche. Mm-hmm. You know, not not you want to build an. And they said by the way, air cooled. They said they can make it work in an air cooled car. Wow. So if you think about Hmm, what wow. air-cooled horsepower costs. Yeah. Air-cooled horsepower is by far the worst value in cars. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you want if you want to take an air-cooled engine that came with 200 horsepower from the factory and you want to make it 300 or 350, you're spending like $75,000. I mean, that's how much that's going to cost. If you want it to be 400 plus like a Singer motor or a Gunther motor, that's a $250,000 engine. Or Maybe they get this thing down to 25. You don't touch your engine, but you've got this little thing that makes your air-cooled car feel fast as fuck. I mean, imagine a plus 150 yeah. on an air-cooled. Jeez, Whoa. that would be dude change the game. Yeah. Imagine a plus 150 on an air-cooled turbo. Imagine that you had the torque good. fill on that air on like a on a fucking 930, that'd be the jam. Yeah, it would kind of 
Ooh, I didn't. I don't want to use the word fix. Uh, it might unsketch it, would, it a little bit. Maybe a little, bit. A little it would, bit. It would also. It would just change the driving experience. But I don't yeah. think it would. I don't think it would ruin it. You know. I don't necessarily want to own waiting, that, but I. Yeah. I would. Well, I definitely want to try one if someone if they build one. I mean, I, I, I assume if they just build and sell enough of them, obviously the price goes down because supply and demand and blah blah blah, and then they can start bolting it to other stuff. Well, they chose Porsche because they like Porsche and because people modify their yep. cars yep. and because people are used to spending a lot of money on new technology of, you know people modify gallardos but there's not as many as right. there are 911s right um that's cool so but they said they hope that this is a a universally adaptable system that they could put in in all kinds of stuff and they said that they are working on the next round of these to expand out of porsche because like i said this covers all 09 and up Porsche sports cars. Wow. Cayman, Boxster, 911, all variants. Ooh. So um, that's a lot of cars, actually. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a, a bunch. The value isn't, you know, putting in a base Boxster, obviously, is not where the value is, but, you know, there, there's maybe value somewhere else. But but if they could expand, uh, you know, we, just, we had some off-the-record discussions about possible other platforms, some of which sounded incredibly interesting and appealing. So I think it's really cool that there are just companies doing this kind of stuff with this new technology. You know, we're on this possible new frontier of electrification and all that. And and I've driven those Tesla swap cars, and you've driven stuff like this. And it's just cool that people are instead of everyone just going, "Oh, I don't like it going this direction. I wish it wasn't." People are going, "Well, what can we do with that?" Yeah, and then they can find some really cool shit to do. And I really, I think the most impressive thing about this kit. Um, it, it it was seamlessly integrated. I mean, you don't other than you you know you see that thing that looks like an, a stereo amp. That's the motor controller. You see that on the back deck. It's 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 there intentionally, but you could hide that if you didn't want to show it at all. It would be very easy to put something over it and hide it. Um, but other than that thing being there, there's nothing on the car that you can see inside or out. Uh, the the it come there's an app in your phone that has the little gauge, the gauges and the mode controller. Um, but you're not you're not touching anything else. And I think there's also like if you bought this system and put it in your Carrera S right now, and you sold your Carrera S, and you get a GT3, you could uninstall this and put it from one car to the other, and you haven't touched either car. And the car doesn't remember it was there because it never knew it was there in the first place. Yeah, so pretty clever. If you wanted more horsepower, but you want that's it. Imagine that fucking thing, bro. Nine hundred horsepower in that with the hybrid system in there. That's cool as hell. Whoa. Yeah, that is fast. Yeah, Kelly Moss. They don't really fuck around them guys. They do. They pretty, don't. They wow, do. this is interesting because it's got a lot of ground clearance, but it's still running like street tires. I know tarmac rally start. Go yeah, pull. Go down to that picture time. of it next to the the Safari eighties car. Wow, it's so big. It's very big. So it's big. Next a lot to of the ground 80s clearance. Safari, geez, huh? It's huge. Is your back gonna hold up for this Safari rally? You think? We still when is it again? It's in June. Yeah, I think it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. We gotta we gotta get one of these racks for this for a spare tire. Yeah, we do. But uh, yeah, Safari Southwest Rally. We're gonna be driving my 911 from Phoenix to Las Vegas off road oh, cool. with 11 other uh, Safari 911s. How it's be amazing. far is that? It's like I don't know, 400 miles maybe, 500 miles. Dude, that's gonna be rad. Uh, that's Lee, be Lee really just cool. scouted it. I didn't look at the WhatsApp thread because it was long as fuck because I wasn't looking at my phone from out of town. How oh, far yeah, is that? you sign on else and it's like... Yeah, but I'm very excited for that. I mean, if we were on the highway, it's 300 miles, uh, so it'd be I longer. But we're but not going the straight cool. line it and we're... Yeah. Dude, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. Oh, my God. My back. 
my back. Yeah, dude, mine's very tight after the trip. I well, think. I I was I did so well on the trip in terms of I didn't wear shoes for a week and my knees and feet and all that stuff were fine. My back was fine until the very end when I hurled my suitcase onto the dock and like and then so I've had like two massages and two rounds of PT since I've been back and I just did my fucking first workout since. And oh shit! Yeah, I fucked myself on the very last day, dude. I almost fucked myself on the first day. We were get, we got to the airport. I've been feeling good lately, and I yeah. grabbed my suitcase and Sarah's out of the back huh. just a two no no not even that I was just gonna carry him from there to the curb and I just picked him up and I just felt a little something start to go down like the left side of my my kind of like mm-hmm. upper waist and I was like did I just displace my disc on the at the airport mm. heading to vacation like a dumb fuck I had not, but oh my god! The I problem really with backs is is when you're otherwise healthy, you really have to put your pride aside and say, "I shouldn't be carrying that." Yeah, it sucks. That's the hardest part. Hannah and I each had big suitcases because we brought like you know snorkeling gear and all you know all this fucking. You're on a boat for a week. You bring a lot of shit, and um, my suitcase was like fifty two pounds or something like that, fifty three pounds, and that's. I, I, I'm literally under doctor's orders specifically like to not pick up anything over 50 not and specifically maybe not to hurl giant suitcases <laughs> Don't like twist. a fucking hammer throw yeah. asshole like Ugh. Peter Griffin he's like now just lift with your back and jer- with a jerking motion <laughs> yeah basically what was, I was standing on the roof and I was like yeah I shouldn't do any flips until like the last day of the trip and then right. I was gonna jump off and I saw like someone I think you had a camera I was like well I guess I'll do a flip now <laughs> It's so dumb. No burnouts leaving cars fun. and coffee. Is that an iPhone? Is that an iPhone? Hundred <laughs> percent. Is that someone's? Did someone scream YOLO? <laughs> I mean, dude, I like yard sailed a Honda scooter trying to show off for a nine-year-old neighbor of mine when I was in high school. Like, I am so easily encouraged. Oh, That's God. why it was dangerous having Thaddeus as a friend. He's like, you know, what we should do. I'm like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> You know what we should do? End up in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Zach. You'll try it. Um, let's see what the people have to say. I'm in a funky angle today. I can't read. I guess talking about hybrid 911s is better than talking about Tahiti because our retention went up during that during that 20-minute uh, bit. Quite a bit. Where I hate when he does this. I have to find what the happened? page again. Uh, you you broke it? No, sometimes it just decides to stop showing the questions. It, it sounds like a new page. Mm-hmm. Thanks, YouTube. Mm-hmm. Thanks to the YouTubes. Um, anyway, shout out to the Moorings. I they didn't buy a they didn't buy a shout out. I, we paid retail, but it was really they were really nice. They they put up they put up with us. Shout out to the guy that my brother in law was able to buy weed from in point four seconds in Tahiti. <laughs> the very first person we met oh, in Tahiti, so uh, and the weed was totally decent. It was nice. Shout out to that kitten I met at the rum distillery. I made a friend. You made a bunch of kittens out there. Made a bunch of kitten friends. Drunk kittens. Alcoholic kittens hanging out at the rum distillery. They know what's up. Moving to Taha'a and opening a rum distillery seems like an awful, relaxing way to live. Yeah. The guy that did that a couple decades ago? No, 2016. Oh, really? A couple couple years years ago. This place is like one corrugated steel building. Yeah. And inside they make delicious things that look like... Only one piece of machinery looks like science. The rest looks like... Well, they have a giant copper pot still that's beautiful. That's beautiful. But when and they're a bunch of old barrels, old but, but when barrels. they were mashing like the sugar cane, mm. it was like feeding it into a wood chipper, and there was a hose out the side, and it's just like sugar juice, yeah, just pouring out into like a sift into a plastic bucket. 
Yeah. But then it turns into delicious peri peri rum. Yeah, peri peri rum. From the island of Taha'a. Real good. Both my bottles made it home safe. They sell it in the duty free place at the airport also. I know. But not, it's not, the not same, all the though. flavors. It's not, not the, the same. same. And it's more expensive. Of course it is. Yeah. Uh, anyone have anything interesting to say? I mean, there we what have we a got? lot of oh, questions. Oh, Jesus, there are a lot. Um, I'm unprepared for this. But let's go. Let's go. We'll just start at the top. Everybody gave a nice amount of money. Thank you very much. Um, is Daniel Berman insane for wanting a Morgan three-wheeler at forty grand? I mean, you're insane for wanting one at all. Yeah, they're the best, worst, or the worst, best cars ever. I mean, people who own them love them and hate them. You just know what you're getting into. That's That could be a frustrating ownership experience, but it's a pretty fun driving experience. Totally unique. Totally unique. But if you live somewhere with a lot of potholes, guess what? Three-wheeled car can't straddle potholes. Uh, very true. And have a wrench nearby. Yeah, they know. break a lot. Yeah, okay, And yeah. things break on them that don't break on other cars. They shake apart yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, beware. Yeah. Um, Evan Drinkert says he loves the Mini Cooper video. It reminds him of his current YouTube addiction, which is Hill Climb Monsters. Mm. Uh, what is our favorite kind of race car? I guess it will be like our, yeah. I mean, Hill Climb Monster is a good place to start. Especially back in like the 80s, 90s. I mean, they're like, oh, it's a thousand horsepower with downforce driving on dirt. You're like, I'm sorry. Yeah. What? And, you know, even truck racers like, what? Yeah. You brought an F1 car right to like now, our Right now, maybe house? stadium super trucks. Those are fun. Those are just amazing. Yeah, the they're shit super they can fun. Do. Uh, I think Baja trucks are just the coolest. Mm-hmm. They can just do so much. Um, Go to the wide. I hate looking at myself right. when I'm talking to you. It's fucking weird. I can understand that. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's why, that's why I'm on you because I don't want to on, the, on me. I know. Well, this is this is the fucking deal. <laughs> <laughs> we are both like introverted narcissists. <laughs> show a black screen, please. Oh, I can do. I can make that happen. No. Clear layer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, why do you think there are so many contemporary racing drivers with big personalities or interest in car culture? Surprise, there aren't more Lee Keens. I think he meant, I'm saying, why aren't there? He said are, but maybe he means are not. Well, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. Race. There's a reason that Top Gear had a character called the Stig, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was because they thought the racing drivers shouldn't talk. And sometimes racing drivers aren't. Just because you race cars doesn't mean you're anything else besides someone who races cars. It doesn't make you necessarily interesting or entertaining. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. It's funny where people like they want something more. They're like, "I love you for this thing you do. You're the best race car driver in the world. Do you also tell great jokes?" Yeah, because I hope so. Because in my mind, you're the greatest human being that's ever walked the lane. It's like, yeah. no, no, I focused on this for forty years. I mean, if you want to be a super successful racing driver, you either have to have a good personality because you need to get sponsorships and moog with the fans and have a social media presence, or you have to be so good that that doesn't matter. <laughs> and so, well, I think it attracts. There's people um, that have the personality that are very. They're very clinical. They're like, you know, they go, they have a problem to solve, which is go yeah. as fast as possible, and they approach it very methodically. But I think a lot of people that have that kind of brain don't always develop, you know, amazing senses of humor because yeah. they don't have to. Because it's if you, took I'm a, not good at anything. If you I took a jokes. cross section of people at a grocery store. Three of them would be funny. Mm-hmm. If you take a cross section of the starting field of a NASCAR race, three of them are going to be funny. You know what I mean? And we can't ignore like a lot of pro drivers are sponsored and have sponsors oh, they have to, to answer to. Tamper them totally. Yeah. They got, they tamper it down. They have yeah. they play. They have a personality that works for that job and for the brand that they're sponsored by. I, that's, that's a good fine. point too. Yep. Um, There's also, by the way, some really fucking funny ones. True. And I was just on the elliptical earlier today watching the season two of uh, Drive to Survive on mm-hmm. Netflix, the F1 show. I haven't watched it yet, but the show's amazing. Yeah. 
personalities there. Lots of personalities. Tons of personalities. Everyone on that fucking show is a personality. Go watch that. It's good. Yeah, that show was fantastic. Yeah, Season dope. one was insane. Was Season great. two is dope. Um, in your experience, is it, Sean Finney says, uh, is it okay for front and rear tires to be different vintages? His front are 2020 Extreme Contact Sport and his rear are 2016 uh, same same tire. That's a big spread. Uh, I mean, is it okay? Uh, I mean, yeah, I suppose if you if you know, don't fucking park your car immediately and freak out because you're. But like, it's suboptimal mm -hmm. as Alex was, as Alex is making. Yeah, making I, that I, happen. I would say it's uh, sixteen is. It's a pretty big spread. But especially depending on the weather where you live. Like if yeah. they get sun cooked a lot, like four years ahead, it'd probably get a lot harder. Yeah. But it's on a supercharged Z3, so you should just do more burnouts and then buy new rears. Yeah. Actually, how come your rears are older than your fronts if you have that car? That's uh, well, interesting. understeers the limit. Or got a flat in the fronts and mm. had then replaced one. You know, it's not ideal, but at least in a Z3, that's uh, a staggered setup anyway. And so, True. you know. I like this question. This is uh, B. Warren. He says, what is the most remarkable average car we've driven? Like, not a Taycan, oh, not no, a McLaren. Oh, there's a bunch of average. I mean, dude, I did a whole series. They're called One Takes, where I, I found that a bunch of average cars were quite remarkable. Like, a Civic hatch from 95 to 2000 mm -hmm. with the right shocks and the right wheels and tires and the right intake and exhaust and some shit taken out of it is phenomenal a, a three thousand dollar civic i drove that was three thousand total with suspension yeah. was amazing yeah it was a great driving experience yeah uh a toyota corolla xrs which is a car nobody thinks about but it has an eight thousand rpm lotus elise motor in it and a six-speed gearbox and a limited slip differential rules new pacifica <laughs> i'm serious it, it's the, the van it's, it's the learjet on the ground man it, like the captain's chair like the, the the chair stuffing is really comfortable. The ergonomics really comfortable. It's pretty quiet. It's got lots of USB ports. The one we had, we rented. It had screens, and each screen in the back had a USB port, like oh, for you nice. to plug into. Like a Delta of, flight. Yeah, yeah. It was. It, I think they probably took it from airplanes. Yeah. Like that little thing was really really nice. Yeah, yeah. Shit like that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be expensive to be fun. Or totally good. true. Totally true. Um. What okay? Dumbest, most ill-advised upgrade work done to one of our own cars. He just spent twenty-four hundred bucks on suspension. <laughs> he put twenty-four hundred dollars of suspension in a twenty-one hundred dollar Eldorado. That's as old as he is. How's it ride? <laughs> um, uh, the worst. Do you ever really know if Eldorado suspension is broken? By the way, no. Like the <laughs> shocks go out, doesn't <laughs> change much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's see. What's the thing? The biggest waste of money mod I've ever had. I mean, I put straight pipes on my Corvette once, and that was just stupid as fuck. I and they, I took them off, and they were terrible. You know, they were terrible. But that wasn't like a, a and it wasn't a huge amount of money that was wasted. Um, mm -hmm. Buying a Focus RS was a huge waste of money in general. I think that probably was right. Yeah, was just so the whole, the the whole car. Yeah. Um, there any other mods that were expensive but a real waste of money? Not really. I've never, I, I've never bought anything that was that expensive where I just it was a complete loss I've been pretty lucky in that regard yeah I haven't, I haven't modified cars extensively enough where same thing I like, mean the most potential for loss was the Fox body obviously but it, it worked itself out okay right yeah because that was extensively modified but it was done well and I don't think you really well that's one of those cars it's like either worth 5000 or $50,000 depending on who you ask yeah you know 
Uh, Usama El Rawaz says, "Are there Swiss, Swiss in quotes watches you would avoid? Could be a brand specific specific model avoid? line. Yeah, I mean, no, you should buy what you like. It's like a glass I, half empty kind of. There's dude. nothing. I there's I don't I can't think of anything offhand where it's like that is a piece of shit. You shouldn't like. There's a couple companies. One is called like Corum, and another is called Graham, and another is called U-Boat." And those companies make watches that I find to be particularly garish and ugly, but I don't think that, like, if you bought one, it wouldn't tell time <laughs> or whatever, you know? Um, I, no, I wouldn't say specifically. There's definitely some companies that, like, quote, make their own movements, but the movements are so complicated and fragile that the repair bills can be just i mean extraordinary and fuck really i mean thousands or tens that's something you don't even think tens about of thousands of dollars like the crazy 3d watch by that person i can't remember like the watch is the, four million yeah, but and god forbid it broke yeah. yeah it would be probably 500 yeah. grand to fix because well, it's you so insure stuff like that yeah. but i don't think that covers maintenance and you know so that's there's there's definitely watches where a more complicated in-house movement is not necessarily a better thing um, MB Frenchie says, "Are you gonna do more one wake vids?" I think we answered that earlier. No, no, they they. There's no faster way to lose money. Than <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And it takes way more time out of mm-hmm. the day than just a one take. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts on GM leaving the right hand drive markets? Basically, hold. Oh, are they? Oh, I hold. Guess so yeah. I mean, you know, money's money. Everyone's fools. everyone's paring down a bit. I mean, yeah. all the car companies have been. There's, I think, it feels like there's too many brands. I don't know. There's so many companies trying there's to all lot. sell more cars every year. And there's a lot of sub like models happening. Yeah, you know what I mean. True. Like, like every niche is trying to. I think they're gonna they're gonna find that there's some that just don't work out. I'm um, sorry for Holden though. I like Holdens in general. Yeah. Someone says, are the roads in Tahiti like Gran Turismo's Tahiti Road? Uh, they looked good. I just The you, pavement you was decent. Pavement was fine. Yeah. Curves were good. It was just, there's only one road on every island, Pretty I think. much, yeah. We only saw one real sports car. It was a modified Evo 10. No, Evo 9, excuse me. It was no. an Evo 9, and it was, the, it was basically the only sports car we saw. On like white NKs. Yeah. And that was the only car, only sports car we saw on three different islands. Yeah. But what you can get there are lifted golf carts yeah. with license plates yeah. that are made by who one was such a clear ripoff of a Wrangler yeah. but like a third the size and it had Mahindra. license plates and a seatbelt and stuff and yeah. like four wheel drive that thing was kind of cool and there's a lot of old Land Rovers and 70 series Land Cruisers so and uh, Samurais and then a lot just, of uh, Land Cruiser trucks yes never seen that before yeah oh like the pickup truck Land mm-hmm. Cruisers yeah the 70 series yeah Timmy was like who's like a Land Rover guy a Land Cruiser guy was like in heaven yeah yeah um let's see kai says he has an 06 miata he drives thirty thousand kilometers a year in new zealand a bragger that's bragger. a lot a lot, um, a lot of curves wants to keep the car the stock seats suck for long distance mm-hmm. are there comfortable seats that fit in that car yeah i mean a bunch Probably. yeah a bunch yeah i mean they race them so like you start with sparko if it depends how how adjustable do you want them to be if you're the only person that really drives this car, you can find any number of seats and basically bolt them to the floor. Uh, the slider rails are going to add height, which you you probably possibly don't want. Um, so 
Yeah, I mean, I I, I like this. I like the. I've had good luck with Sparkos, uh, the Evo Two Plus something or other. Caros are always Caros are always good, but they're expensive. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't cheap out on a seat. That's the thing, especially if, if you drive thirty thousand miles a year. That's a lot. Well, especially if you're in a little car and you might get hit, you know, you can you can die. You know, you could be paralyzed if you get a cheap seat that breaks yeah. in an accident. So, like, you go, oh, my God, this Recaro seat is $1,200. It's like, yeah, but Recaro gives a shit if you die. That's something <laughs> you know, I didn't like, know about until recently, but, like, the seat is so important. And this is years ago. Seeing people that had gotten hit from behind and their seat broke because mm-hmm. they bought like a cheap aftermarket seat, it didn't. Because we always we always think like I'm going to crash into something. I'm going forward. The right. seat belt is doing the job. It's like if you get rear ended, the, the seat's, seat's doing, doing the job. Yeah, yeah, dangerous. Um, I'll. I think I scrolled past one. No, I didn't. Uh, Sean Purcell says, "What? How do we recommend getting a better knowledge of the car industry?" What are good starting points? I just, I just said read everything. Read everything. Read, everything. read every every car website you could find. You know, read. I would say watch our videos, be, listen to our podcast. I mean, because there's so much content, like pick a few sources, but read them all the time. Like, yeah, that's good advice. You know, I like that advice. It's kind of a general question, but I like the specific general. answer. Um, Ricky A says, "Which Rolex do you prefer? SS Pepsi Jubilee, stainless steel Pepsi says, BLRO." GMT. Yeah, on Jubilee bracelet, right? Yeah. Or a two-tone Everose root beer CHNR. I don't know what that means. Uh, CHNR. Both at the same price in the secondary market. I mean, I'm not that into the two-tone. You know, two-tone is gold and steel. Some people really like a two-tone. I don't really fuck with gold that much. I bought a I bought a gold watch, and I felt kind of dumb wearing it, and I sold it to Marco from TLG. Um, oh, this is the CHNR, I think he said. It's oh, like, okay, that's, yeah, all right. That's the two-tone GMT. I would go with the Pepsi, dude. The Pepsi's classic. GMT, everyone everyone loves the Pepsi when I rock it. If you got to go with a two-tone, that's not a bad choice. I would go with a two-tone C-Dweller over that. But Yeah, looks like the watch wanted to be gold and silver and couldn't decide. Right, yeah. But, uh, but and also steel is, for an everyday watch, is more durable. Gold gets scratchy. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's gold, good. Gold's a softer metal, so it gets scratchy. Yeah. If you and and I beat the shit out of my watches, not intentionally. They just end up smacking stuff. Um, and Rolex steel is really, really good. People are always like, "Why the fuck would you spend that much?" Like it, the the actual quality of the metal is superior. Mm-hmm. Is one of the reasons, you know. Um, AD1 has a fastback Miata. He says he's fully unshitboxed it. Good job. Should he K swap it or buy an S2000? The K24 is better than the F20, uh, but is the S2000 better than a Miata chassis? I mean, have you driven a K swap Miata? That seems I have. so good. I drove a K swap Miata. It was fun. It was very fun. It it didn't wholly change the character of the car. I don't it, think you can change the character of those cars. It just happens faster. You just fast forward. Yeah, it was good. And the one I drove, it wasn't. Yeah, it was nice. I enjoyed it. I drove the the guy who does the K tuned guys uh, car, the K swap guy. Um, I I wouldn't trade a Miata for an S two thousand because it's the same. Because it's thing. the same. It's variants of the same thing. I have a Coke. Should I trade you for a Pepsi? Yeah, like if I fit in an S two thousand, which I don't correctly, 
then I'd probably rather have an S2000 than a Miata. But if I already had a good Miata, I wouldn't trade it for an S2000. Mm -hmm. If I had a Miata that I liked and was good, but I wanted the next thing, I'd find a way to get into a Boxster or a Cayman. That's, that's what I would do. It's, a much, it's just a nicer thing. It's a bigger step, too. Or an Elise uh, into a Lotus. Yeah. That would be my next, my next move. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I mean, you get a little more power if you got the swap, but uh, I don't... But, like, I also wouldn't trade a Z06 for a Viper. Right. You know what I right? mean? Yeah, I yeah, wouldn't, totally. You know, I wouldn't, I, you know, I wouldn't trade a, a McLaren for a Ferrari, for a mid-engine Ferrari. You know what I mean? I, I If if I... You, it, I guess it's like, we had, this guy has to decide, or this person, do they want to, do they really like the Miata experience, but they wish it had more power? Or is it time where you could go have a different experience? Because if you just want more power... There's a bunch of different ways you could do yeah. that. And engine swaps are more complicated than most people think. They're really cool, though. I mean, if you put a lot of money and time in your Miata and you love it, then keep that because it will be unique forever, especially if you swap the engine in. But if you just want another fast convertible, best right, cars one, one you can drive done. right now. Right. And an S2000 you can buy now because it would be put together by Honda instead yep. of by you. Yep. Just make um, sure you don't have long legs. Yeah, very true. The non tilting wheel is very strange. Um, MB Frenchie again says. He asked why paint protection was peeling. Oh, that's so long ago. Oh, he asked because Mr. JW, or JWW owns a paint protection shop. All right, that's a deep reference. Oh, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I think we were like, why did he ask that? And now he's explaining, but that was two months ago. Um, Trent Schaefer is looking for a classic 67 GTO that he can resto mod an LS swap. What is a good website besides Auto Tempest or Bring a Trailer? Audience can answer two. I mean, in... You know, classic muscle cars, you know, Hemmings, you know. Hemmings, Bear uh, Jackson stuff. Yeah, look at, I mean, Meekum runs through how many of these things? Um, look at uh, classifieds at Hot Rod shows, especially big ones like Hot August Nights or something. Like any of the huge trade shows that are yeah. aimed at that. People that don't, people are trying to sell stuff at the auctions. And if they don't sell them there, then they'll put in classifieds afterwards. And th those cars have to be pretty plentiful these days. Yeah, because the trend has boomers slowed. are aging and getting out of them. Yes, There's, they're out there, especially if you're talking about LS swapping. Now, now you don't need numbers matching color. Right. Oh, you're gonna paint it. Now you don't need a color. Like fucking pick one. True. I mean, you could. You couldn't. I don't even know where this person lives, but if it's in America, you almost certainly don't <laughs> have to leave your city, right? No, it's totally. You want to find a '67 GTO? You get to leave your city away. Yeah. They're around. And you don't need a perfect one, and you don't need yeah. one that's already done. It doesn't you're even gonna, have to be a GTO. It. it could be a Le Mans. You know what you should do? Find someone's 80% done project. Yeah. That's the best way to save money, because you're already headed toward resto mod land. Uh, or find go one to Meekum and find built. one that's got like ugly wheels or an interior you don't like. Right. Or where, you know what I mean? Find one that's like ugly for a reason, but that's fixable. You know what I mean? Uh, there's mm -hmm. a lot of value in someone's like project that looked really cool five years ago yeah you know what I yeah mean? totally absolutely yeah. that's the best advice yeah um zach trump with two peas uh thanks for your donation he says thanks for answering my questions here's some coontage exercise gas Ooh, day money i take your coontage. gasoline money and i burns it i burn it <laughs> i'm gonna light your money on fire um 12 Bi cylinders at a time big johnson bike says his dad loves sailing he hates it he used to be a racer oh his dad used to be a racer but he got old could your taste be changing with age like I think is happening with him? P.S. His MT82 transmission never grinds second. 
I guess you I mean, got the good one. I guess so. Inconsistency is the problem with that transmission. I mean, my taste changing. Like, uh, what do you mean that I, I I love sailing? I wish I was sailing. I don't. If he got the impression that I was glad we weren't sailing in Thailand and that I'm older and I'm glad we weren't sailing for some reason, that's incorrect. I wish we were sailing. I I wonder if he's saying. Maybe his, dad, maybe his dad used to be a race driver and got old, oh. and now we're off, and now he's in this, like, we've moved on to slower activities. Oh, I could sail a boat before I could drive a car. I oh. was, I mean, I started, I learned to sail when I was 10. I've always loved sailing. I used to race little sailboats, and I used to race big sailboats as part of a team. Like, yeah, no, sailing fucking rules. I, I definitely have aged into it, appreciating it, because when I was a teenager, I was on them, and I was just bored, because I wanted to go fast or yeah. jump off a thing or whatever. Fast and dinghy now, sailing like, is fun, though. Like, I didn't lasers, know that existed. Yeah, that's fun. That's uh, yeah. a Northeast thing. That's why. Our, ours was like, get on the boat and stay warm, and don't fall <laughs> off, and like you know get seasick, and then yeah. just go see Santa Cruz again. You know, that from, like, was the water. me fishing. When people took me fishing, it was basically that, because yeah. it was like four in the morning and cold. And I never terrible. I never said yes to that. I was, really I'm not, I was never that into fishing, but... <laughs> No, no, I like sailing. And if you're in L.A., if anyone out there is in L.A. and has a boat and they race on those Wednesday night races in L.A. and you need a grinder or crew or anything like that or just, just ballast weight, yo, hit me up. I want to come race with you. Good idea. I'd love to race boats. Mike Davis says uh, he's thinking about getting a cool JDM sedan. One, is it hard to register and insure? And two, is it hard to get parts and have someone work on it? Uh it depends on how often the weeds your definition of cool is <laughs> and where you're located and more. If you're in California, JDM is is difficult. There's the bar and and carb and all that stuff. If you're not if you're in one of the other 49 states, it is not a problem. Um I recommend buying from one of the importers. I just saw our friend Sean Morris from Top Rank today um, and buy something that's already in the states that you could test drive and that you you know you can have inspected if you want. Um I have now owned two JDM cars, and I've not really found it to be a problem getting them worked on or getting parts. It's been okay. If you get a weird JDM car, like Skylines are easy to get parts. Delicas, I've found, are pretty easy to get parts. Um, 240SXs and RX-7s and right-hand drive versions of stuff that we got here, easy. But if you start going into like the Ciferos and like the really oddball sedans that like the enthusiasts aren't even really buying, it might be a challenge. What um, was the thing with your R32? The, the air, conditioning air conditioning was like... They was, couldn't, it, it broke and they couldn't fix it. They yeah. just were like, I don't even know where to start. Like They're like, we can build you a thousand horsepower engine if you want, but we don't know where to get the parts for this. So my advice for R30... I just heard that like... Nismo is gonna is making spare parts for for R thirty twos. I don't oh, know if they're cool. making air conditioning, but if if Smart. air conditioning is important, make sure the car you buy has working air conditioning now. I think they probably saw how much money the Germans made off of like, yeah Porsche, Porsche Classic, uh, BMW. And, they yeah. still all produce and sell parts yeah. for a lot of money. Totally. All right, that's good. Yeah. Um, but Nick, if you want like R, like a like a R thirty three you know GTST sedan four door Skylines rule they mm -hmm. drive nice they're beautifully made they sold a lot of them there's yeah helps. they're cheap because the enthusiasts don't give a shit they all want GTRs um, and and they're plentiful and you can get a lot of parts for them pretty easily I bet the I bet the used I bet the parts supply will continue to increase in America because more and more cars are becoming available because of the 25-year yeah, rule. Dude, that no, it, like, because of the internet up. and a global supply chain. I mean, I was talking to Sean today, and he was saying that customers will occasionally bitch at him because they've got to get a part from Japan or something. And he's like, man, I order parts from Japan all the time. Like They show up faster than the parts from New York. 
Like, what's the big fucking deal? And you also, know? you can get them now yeah. from Japan. Yeah. Like, 10, 20 years ago, it was like, you couldn't even find them. Totally. Um, My, Nick Albo says- I have better posture, man. What, Fuck! What is, what is the best $1,500 fun manual beater for LI? I don't know what Long LI Island. is. Long Island. Oh. One with some suspension travel. One that has the club. Bro, $1,500, if it, if it fucking runs and has- Decent tires and decent shocks, you know, and maybe it's lightweight with a manual transmission, you know? Yeah. Old Hondas, old Corollas, old old Japanese things that you can yes. just hammer on. Old Japanese. That's yeah. the best thing. Yeah. Um, we got into this question. What size is the boat? Thoughts the boat was on... a 45-foot catamaran that had a 22-foot beam width. Yeah. Um, Jeremy... Lan says, "What do we think about the Bring and Trailer 240Z that went for 300 grand?" I didn't really understand that one. Um, I'm not a I'm not a, a, a specialist of 240Zs or even really a connoisseur of. I think was it particularly low mileage and original and have all the paperwork and the original bill of sale and the receipt and what the fuck was it about? I mean, why? I don't know why it was so far outside. I mean, it looks like a very nice car. Um, I, don't, I, I just don't know. I mean, there's always going to be one. I, I don't think this means that all 240Zs are immediately worth a ton of money. Wow, right? it has 21,000 miles on That's it. That's why. When was the last time you saw a 20,000-mile 240Z? I mean, I, I, I can't recall ever seeing one with mileage that low. So that's why. How often do you see that? You know. Yeah. Datsun dealer owned it, drove it, gave it to his kid. It's, probably, it's just in really good shape. Yeah. Hmm. And if a dealer owned it and gave it to his kid, it I don't is it ever been registered? That's the thing. What if it's a, well, it's if driven it, for a while, right? But if it's oh. driven by a dealer, they didn't have to register it. It might be like a zero owner car or something. If it's never Ooh, been registered and sold as a zero owner car, you could be the first owner of this thing. Uh, his a friend of his bought it. Oh, okay. So um, no. afterwards, but you know, I think like you said, there's always going to be one of every model that's going to go for huge money for some reason. This one, I without reading it and just what you just told me, it's the story. It's the mileage, the condition, but also this owned by a dealer, kept in the family, you know, given to a friend, but I mean it looks mint. It looks yeah. absolutely mint. Super mint. I don't know enough know enough about these to know if it was uh, like a rare one or yeah. not. Yeah. I wouldn't pay 300 Gs for it, but nope. you know, God bless. Have fun. Um someone asked if I have thoughts on an LS Swap Volvo 240 one take. Yeah, yeah I mean, you should yes, drive that. I would drive it. Yeah. Where is it? Bring it to I, California. I need more information. It, yeah, thesmokingtire at gmail dot com, but only if you're in L A. and or could get here. Yeah, um, Brian Proster, anything to watch for in early manual Gallardos, or should he get a three sixty four thirty? You should almost under no circumstances buy a two thousand and four Gallardo unless it's had like unless you're literally buying like a complete runway missile build from somebody the 04 Gallardos are so bad that they changed the engine and the transmission one year later <laughs> the 05 has a completely different engine and transmission from the 04 um, they're not good uh, and I don't recommend them now <laughs> asterisk 04 manuals are better than 04 autos uh, the clutches last longer but they are not good and so I, I definitely wouldn't buy an 04. Um, now, a 360 versus a Gallardo, I have a lot, a lot, a lot of seat time in both of those cars, mainly because that was the bulk of the Gotham Dream Cars fleet mm -hmm. when I was there. Um, 
at the time, I thought the Gallardo was the better car and it was faster. This is 05 and up, mind you. Uh, in hindsight, which would I rather own now? A 360, absolutely. Especially a late 360 and 04, like with challenge grills. I would, I would really like to own that. It wasn't that fast then, and it still wouldn't feel that fast now, but it was a lovely thing to use. Giardo just felt so heavy, and I know it was heavier, but it felt like it. I think newer cars don't, you don't feel the all drive system as much, and back yeah. then you definitely did. Yeah. Um, we'll try and rip through some of these. Uh, did we go surfing? No, no, but I did people not go did. surfing. People did. We did not. Yeah. I was not trying to relearn surfing. Uh, over a coral, professionals coral reef. only in Tahiti for yeah, surfing for sure. Um, opinions on F thirteen six forty eyes. He nope. wants a big coupe. Nope. Eh. Unspecial Freaking six series are ugly. unspecial. I mean, even the M's are only medium special. The regular non-M's yeah. are just like, bleh. Yeah, I think they're easily forgotten. There's too much Buy competition a in space. Um, give us money or tacos. Chris Jordan. I'm just going to say that. I'm not going to say anything after that. He'll know why. Uh, he just said he just wants to hear his name. Okay. Um, this guy's excited for electric power in long travel off-road game. I think that could we need be cool. wait. It would be cool. We just need weight to come down a lot mm-hmm. in the batteries because you know the power, like the density of gasoline is, or the power density of gasoline is much higher than electricity, and so these guys are trying to get those trucks as light as possible. Um, make you feel less awkward. Thank you for that removal of awkwardness by changing that shot. Electric cars making cool noises a good idea. I mean, yeah. Well, I, you know, I uh, I was hanging out with the guys from Lotus today. They were in town, and they brought this dude. I think his name was Patrick, and he's a music producer, and he is designing the sound for the Avaya electric hypercar thing they're doing. And I was like, what's it going to sound like? He's like, what do you want it to sound like? And I was like, angry Jetsons, duh. And, and he was like, okay, well, we can make it sound like that, or we can make it sound like Senna's Formula One car or whatever, and I was like, I don't know, make it, make me, let me choose or whatever the fuck, I don't know. So there, there's something they're considering. I mean, the choosing thing is interesting. We've all talked about that a lot. Like, yeah. what if you could make an electric car sound like X, Y, Z? And I think when people read that, they go, Well, it wouldn't be true to the power plant, da da da. But I think I bet if you put someone in that seat and they started moving as fast as those things move mm-hmm. and hearing sounds they liked. I bet they just come around and start to smile. I think, I think like, it would be cool. Yeah, like the yeah. Taycan sounds cool. It sounds like it Angry sounds Jetsons. cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're like, you know, it's manufactured, but you you don't care for that long. No, I don't know. It was weird. I turned it off and then turned it back on. Yeah, because it was pleasant. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a weird question. Someone bought a one year old, a one year only F type coupe rear wheel drive, and his mm-hmm. neighbor has been stopping by to look at it all the time. He said, "Have you ever had an unappreciated, un- unexpected?" Reaction like that from a neighbor. I mean, you have your I Kutash, have, fan, I, Kutash fan. Oh, the homeless guy. <laughs> yeah, there's a homeless guy that really <laughs> likes my Lamborghini, and 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 I'm I'm fine. I'm fine with uh, with him stopping by to look at it once in a while. Uh, he, in- he intimidates my wife a little bit, and that's unsettling. But yeah, I definitely have a have a, a neighbor in Venice that really appreciates the garage. Uh. S- Someone asked, this is like the last two, the El Dorado yeah. guy followed up. He said, it's still creaks, and, no, creaks and clunks are gone, but now it doesn't try to change lanes. It still feels broken. 
We yeah. were right. I mean, it should feel a little bit broken. It's an old Cadillac. It's, it should feel mildly. It felt broken, broken when it was new. Yeah. It just yeah. floated. It felt yeah. like a waterbed. Um, and someone asked why a girl died with a roll cage. Do you know this story? I don't know this story. Is that the, the young racing driver girl, I think? Yes. I think, yeah. I think the she was a racing driver. Um, I think Randy was her coach. Uh, Popst was her coach. Uh, I think she was out of Atlanta, maybe, or something. Um, I can't remember her name, but uh, if I recall, she, I mean, I, she definitely did die. And if I recall, she died uh, in a relatively minor car accident, but one where she was driving a fully caged car on the street without a helmet. And she died from her head hitting the cage. Oh, we talked about that. I, yeah, yeah, I hope that is accurate enough. I, 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 I didn't follow the actual story in detail. I hope that's accurate enough to... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Wheel of Death? Wheel of Death, and I can't click on any of the tabs. Oh, no. Are we recording backup? Oh, how about that? Well, amazingly... Okay, so get this. All right, well, fucking let it roll, I guess. Well, so what happened, I mean, I'm sure people have figured this out by now, is that our computer is totally frozen. Can't do anything. Uh, I don't really know where to go from here, but <laughs> but apparently we're still transmitting. Um, and so, yeah, we just, we're talking about what we're going to do after this. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, that's it is what it is. Um, that's really... That's pretty funny and very strange. You can log into a different computer and end the stream. All right, well, um, I guess that's our show then. That's with a surprise twist ending of what the fuckingness. And uh, for our video crowd, I wonder what will Zach will find a creative way to make that shit happen, huh? <sighs> okay. Well, then, until the next time, Smoke Entire Podcast is powered by Shout Engine. Get your own damn podcast at shoutengine.com. It's easy. All you need is a microphone and connection to the internet. And ideally, something to say. We still streaming? Still going? Wow, without our own knowledge. All right. Well, that's our show, folks. Good night, everybody. Bye.